You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, fam? It's your boy, A.O., a.k.a. Anthony O'Neill, and you're listening to the Earn Invest podcast with your brother, my brother, Doc G. One of my earliest quarrels with my wife before marriage was about, of all things, a pair of shoes. She wanted to buy them, and I, in my infinite wisdom as a 22-year-old, thought they were too expensive. She eventually bought not one, but two pairs. And 25 years later, she still reminds me about the time I tried to control her spending. Despite this anecdote, it wasn't like finances were much of an issue for us then. Well, that isn't true. I knew very little bit about money formally, but was brought up by two financially savvy parents who modeled exemplary behavior. My wife, growing up near poverty, had pretty much a scarcity mentality except when it came to shoes. But for the most part, we developed a joint money identity together as our relationship grew. We were young and started out with little and quickly built wealth. Maybe because we were young when we met, I never thought much about preparing financially for a relationship. I hadn't even tried to maximize what today's guest, Anthony O'Neill, calls my season of singleness. Should I have? Anthony O'Neill is a best-selling author, personal finance expert, and host of the popular YouTube show and podcast, The Table. He has helped over 250,000 people set out on a path towards a debt-free life with his book, Debt-Free Degree, and he's reached over 15 million people through his podcast, The Table, where he always keeps it real, relevant, and relatable. Anthony O'Neill, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Let me start with this question. What does a single guy like you have to teach us about relationships and money? <laughs> well, Doc, man, thank you so much for having me back on the show, man. It's always an honor uh, to be with you. You know, when it comes to me as a single man, I like how you phrase that. How do I, what do I bring to the table as a single man when it comes to relationships and money? It really comes down to how do we maximize our single season? You know, I'm not here to try and teach you how to find a man or how to find a woman. No, I'm here to teach you, hey, here's, if you say you want to build wealth, the best time to lay the foundation of that is while you're single. It's while you don't have any responsibilities of a wife or of a husband or of children. It's just you, your bills, your debt, your opportunities. And I think we as in single people, Doc, we don't really steward and maximize that single season correctly. And a lot of people know me as the money guy from when I was working with my mentor and dear friend, Dave Ramsey, and I'm still that guy. But one of my spiritual mentors told me, 
Anthony says, I know you as the maximize your single season guy. Every season that you're in, you've been able to maximize it. You've made mistakes. You've learned from those mistakes. You've made some bad decisions. You've learned from those bad decisions. But Anthony, you don't come from wealth. You, you don't come from a, a poor family. You come from the average everyday family. And what you've done is during this season of your single life, you've been able to maximize it. So I'm bringing the conversation to the table that a lot of single people don't want to talk about. You know, how do we date on a budget or how do we start surrounding ourselves with uh, positive, influential people that can teach us and give us wisdom in a certain areas of where we're weak at? And so that's what I bring to the table, Doc, when it comes to, you know, relationships and money. I'm having a conversation that single people need to have because we chase the bag, but we don't chase and, and, and steward the opportunities that we have as a single as a single person. And so that's what I'm bringing to the table. Now, last time I had you on the show, we talked about the debt free degree and you were talking to people who are in deep college debt and, you know, you could fall back on your own experience. You said, OK, look. I was in college debt. I did it wrong. Here's how you can do it better. Tell me about some of your experiences with relationship and money. What mistakes did you make that kind of led to this understanding of the season of singleness? You know, one of the things I talk about in my course that's coming out here soon um, is really having your core solid and core healthy. You know, when you work out at the gym, doc, you know, they always tell you, hey, when you're doing squats, when you're doing pull-ups, whenever you're doing, use your core, your abs to be stronger and to be better. So to remix it into what you just asked me is going back to my story. You know, I was homeless at the age of 19. I racked up $35,000 in debt when I was in college. Why did I rack that up? Because I was trying to impress her. Because I was trying to impress my friends. I was trying to impress them. Check this out, Doc, because I wasn't strong at my core. I didn't know who I really was. And so I was looking for someone else to confirm in me who I was rather than saying, you know what, let me just build myself up. And so because I was so really, really desiring to have friendships, really, really desiring to be accepted going into college because I really, really, really wanted a kiss <laughs> from a young lady. I was like, yo, let me go spend this money on her. Let me go buy this purse. Let me go buy these roses. Let me go spend $150 on a credit card to take her out to Red Lobster. And it was all because I didn't really know and accept who I was at my core. And so I, I, when I think about some of the things I've learned from is before I can entertain someone else, I need to know who I am. I need to, I need to really confirm who I am to me. Because if my core is not solid, check this out, I'm giving someone else permission to tell me who I am. I'm giving someone else permission to tell me how I should think. I'm giving someone else permission to tell me how I should live my life. And, I, and that's just not a healthy move for any singles. We need to be so solid of who we are. We need to have a solid vision of where we're going. We need to have a solid game plan. So that way, hey, listen, any relationships that come in, whether this is a dating friendship, mentorship, or you're mentoring someone. At the core of it all, we all need to be aligned. We don't have to be alike, but we all need to be aligned. Part of what you're talking about there is that stress to impress, right? You thought you had to have the flowers and the nice clothes and, and stuff like that. 
I'm wondering if the story is different for men and women and specifically part of your demographic, black men. Is it a different story depending on your gender or your socioeconomic or racial class? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's much of a difference. I think that we experience it differently, but the weight, the, the weight is still the same. Experiences may be differently for men. Experiences may be differently for, for ladies. And then honestly, the, the experiences will be differently for when it comes to a black man compared to a white man, to the black culture compared to the white culture or to the Hispanic culture or to the Asian culture. We all experience it differently, but the weight of it all is still going to be somewhat the same. Uh, but again, I think it goes back to just really building and strengthening um, your core. And when I say core, I'm talking about deep down in who are you? Why were you created? What's your purpose? Where are you going? Why do you, why do you desire to go where you want to go? When we can really get that down to our core, we'll be a solid individual. I want to jump into the course and especially the eight pillars, which the course is built on. But before we do, you and I have already mentioned a few times this season of singleness. Mm-hmm. I've never heard those words together. Tell me what that means. When I say the season of singleness is everything is a season. You know, you have that teenager season. Did we steward that well? And I'll be honest, I didn't steward that well. <laughs> then we have that season of, you know, 18 um, se- single season where you're by yourself. Then you have that season of, hey, you're newly married. You know, you're, so that's a newly married season. Then you have that season of I'm a parent and a spouse. Then you have that season of, what, what they call it, empty nesters. Like you're, you're in the empty nester season to where it's just you or you and your spouse. And I think every season is a stage of life. And how do we operate and steward each season that we're in? If I could go back to my high school or self, I would, man, there were so many different things. There were so many things I would tell myself to do differently. One is don't worry about impressing your friends. Two, focus on your, your educators and your teachers because while yes, they got on your nerves, while yes, they were not always 100% right, they were doing their job to set you up to win in the future. And if I would have listened to my teachers, listened to my professors, listened to my mentors back then when I, when I was in high school, listened to my step, um, my step team brothers or the basketball brothers or, you know, what culture was saying, I'll be a lot better. So everything is a season. So single season is, OK, we're by ourselves. How are we operating in the season? Are we worried about what culture is saying? Are we worried about what's popular? Are we worried about what's being accepted? Or are we step, stepping back and writing down our vision, which is one of the pillars that I'm talking about within my course? Are we sitting down and saying, okay, hey, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. And everyone has to be aligned with that. So single season just means everything is a season. A season comes to an end. This single season is going to come to an end. What are we planting right now during this season? There's only a, there's only what I, I'm not a planter, so I don't know, but you, you can plant things, fruit and stuff like that for a particular season. But in other seasons, it's not good to plant it because it, it cannot grow. It will not manifest. So for me, it's like you can't get back this time when you're single. And when you get married, you know, you, you can't go back tomorrow. Well, you can, but the whole purpose of getting married is so you don't go back. So I just want to encourage people to, while you're in this single season, this is not a permanent state for the majority of us. Let's use it correctly and let's set ourselves up to win. So our future spouses, our future kids can be grateful. And, and, you know, the last time I was on your show, there's a quote that I'm very well known for is 
that the caliber of our future will be determined by the choices we made today. And, and, and for this particular conversation, I will add to that, that the caliber of our next season will be determined by the choices we make in this season. You know, it's an important point, right? Because each season, if done well, prepares you for the next season. Let's talk about finances and financial outlook. How important is it to have that right in order to move towards a romantic relationship? Oh, it's very important. I mean, it, it's it's very important. You know, one of the things I'm telling myself now is that I refuse to tell my wife no, because I told all my girls who became friends in the past, yes. Because everyone says yes to the girlfriends, you know, for the guys, everyone has a girlfriend. And one of the most common reasons for divorce is the lack of communication around money. So it's not the lack of money. It's the lack of thought process around money when it comes to marriages. And so as I'm in this financial space, I am sitting down with married couples often and I'm, I'm coaching them through money, not through relationship advice. Cause I, I'm single. I can't give you relationship advice, but I can give you money advice. Right. And when I, when I talk to them, man, listen, doc, it's, well, you know, he, this, and he, that, and, and he doesn't want to do this with his money or she bought this. And, oh my gosh, we, we don't agree on, I want to go buy the Lamborghini or he just wants me to do this, or I want to go put this $2,000 wig on my head and he doesn't get it. It's like, <laughs> you don't have the conversation of money. So for me, it's all about how, how am I one couple? Here's a good, good example. One, he came into the relationship debt-free. She came into the relationship with debt. When they got married, he was like, yo, you're going to keep your job and you're going to pay off your debt. And she was like, well, wait, I thought we're married and we're doing this together. So shouldn't we be working at this together? He was like, no, that was your money. That was your debt. You're going to pay for it. I'm going to take care of the house. And that was an argument because they didn't have that. Well, here's my thing. She was making the money, doc, by herself. She didn't steward that season correctly. She did. She wasn't using her single season wisely, but she had the red bottoms. She had the Gucci backpack. She had the Louis Vuitton purse. She had the real nice things, but she wasn't using that time and those financial resources when she had no responsibilities to take care of her debt at the time. So one of the things I talk about on my show, The Table with Anthony O'Neill is how do we start eliminating debt? And one of the things I'm going to be focusing on this year is as a single person, when it comes to the time part, you know, how do we start focusing on eliminating our debt? Not saying that you need to be debt free before you get married, but your spouse should see fruit of your labor. He shouldn't just see all of your issues. He should see like, yo, she's been working on this or, yo, he's been working on this. So I trust his mind. We won't have an argument with that. And so for me, while you're single, how you handle your finances will impact your future relationship in a healthy way or in a negative way. Everyone knows Anthony O'Neill is single, but if my wife comes to me with debt, all I want to see is, okay, have you been working on this debt? Have you been intentional about eliminating this debt? Or let's just say she doesn't have any debt. Let's say she's coming to me and she's debt-free. Okay, cool. Are you building wealth? Are you investing? Are you making wise purchases? Um, and so that's the main thing for me, Doc, is, is there a strategic plan around the finances? Or are you just being lazy and just spending money to just be spending money? You know, do you have a vision for your money? Are you writing? Do you have a budget? You know, are you sticking to your budget? 
I don't care if you drive a Bentley. I don't, I don't care if you drive a Mercedes. I don't care if you drive a 1987 Honda Accord. I just want to see mentally, are you being intentional about the decisions you make around your money? As I listen to you, I think about this idea that during that season of singleness, we're really working on ourselves. But when I think about the different archetypes that we interact with in money, there are a few different, right? There's like a saver, the spender, high wage earner. I'm not necessarily any of them are good or bad. It's right. just different people interact with money differently. How do you prepare for a relationship when you really don't know what archetype the person you're going to end up with is? In other words, you can work on yourself, but a lot of times there's that big unknown out there of what the other person's going to be. You know, I don't really think you can really prepare for that, Doc. I think what you have to do is be cool with understanding that, hey, you may meet a, a spender. You may meet a saver. Um, I'm a spender saver. <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I love spending money on cars and on my home. But I'm also very well known for that first date. I'm not spending a lot of money on you. I, man, you know, I have this Gucci backpack behind me, as you can see. I know your podcasters can't see it, but you see the Gucci backpack behind me. I didn't buy that. It was a gift given to me by someone because, you know, I opened up a lot of doors for it. She said, hey, I just want to say thank you. My Gucci shoes that I have, I didn't buy that. It was a birthday gift given to me from my best friend. I don't spend a lot of money on name brand stuff. I'll, I'm happy going to ASOS, to, to Ross, to, to Target. So I'm not going to spend a lot of money over there. So I save a lot of money over there. But now when you pull into my garage, you're going to see, you know, some nice cars and that's, that's fine. So I'm the, okay, I'm going to spend over here, but then also I'm going to save money over here. And I think that that's, that is fine. That is cool. As long as you are understanding that, Hey, your spouse may come in and she may be the spender. Cool. Great. Now what you got to do is you got to have the hard conversation. I'm on my website. I came out with this free ebook. Doc, it's called um, how to have the uh, hard conversations while dating. Right. And inside that hard conversation, I'm giving them about five questions to ask around money. So you could better so you could best know how to approach that individual and have that conversation up front in a very comfortable and non-alarming way, because I'm a spender. So anytime I go buy a car, it's going to be an expensive car. Of course, I'm going to pay cash for it. I'm not going to finance it. But then for a lady, she may be like, well, you spend a lot of money on the cars, but babe, you don't spend a lot of money on dating. Cool. Let's have that conversation up front. So now I know how to deal with you and you know how to deal with me and we can still grow and progress. So I'm, I'm honestly not concerned about what she will be for me. We're just going to have a clear conversation up front. And as long as I see that she is focused on, she may be the spender, like she may be the saver, dot. let's be honest. She may be the saver, right? She may be the couponer. I'm only going to buy things on coupons. I'm going to go to Walmart and grocery stores and coupon it. Cool. Great. Just don't give me a hard time when I want to do something nice for you. Don't give me a hard time to say, Ben, the next three years, I'm going to go ahead and trade in this car and get another car. Now you're getting an attitude with me. You know, we just got to balance each other out. But honestly, I think, I think that if it's a perfect world, I would love for my wife to be the saver or the savers or, or watch this. Because I'm the spender saver. So I, I spend first, save next. I wouldn't mind if she's a saver for her spend next, because now we balance each other out. But if we're both the spender saver or she's just the spender, then we just got to be very clear with our budget and make sure that we stick to that.
Let me repeat that point. So what you're saying is that even if you have different money perspectives, Mm -hmm. if you communicate and at least understand how you come and approach the problem, it still can work. Absolutely. I mean, I think any any situation can work with the money as long as mentally we are going in the same direction. We are aligned. It cannot work if I say, hey, I want to avoid debt and build wealth. And she says, I want to use OPM, other people's money and build wealth off of that. Well, we we can't. That's not alignment. So we can't work on that. Watch this. I'm not saying that she's that she's bad for that or she's wrong for that. I don't have a problem with people who want to use other people's money. Cool, great. That's just not what I want to do as Anthony O'Neill. So we're already setting ourselves up for a failure down the road. But let's just say we both say, hey, we want to avoid debt and build wealth, but I'm the spender. Great. The vision is aligned. Now let's just make sure we get aligned on how we're going to get there. And we get there by sticking to the budget that we set at the beginning of the month. So I want to pivot to your course, which focuses on maximizing your season of singleness. You teach the eight pillar blueprint. And I want to go through some of these pillars because I think it's important. And it's certainly at the core of getting to the bottom of the season of singleness. One of them is your spiritual journey. And I just wanted to ask how, how important is spirituality? I mean, it is very important. You know, I am a um, practicing Christian, Baptist, raised and, and born and raised. And some people may be of opposite faith. Totally respect that, right? So when I speak from this angle, I speak from a Christian angle and, and not disrespecting any other faith that's out there who may be listening to your podcast. But I, I firmly believe that for me, if I don't have a relationship with God, then I really won't know why I was placed on this earth. And I believe that when I have that connection with God, I know my purpose. I know my assignment. I can operate better. And I think your spiritual walk, your spiritual practice is very, very important because, you know, in in my Bible, it says, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, in, In my Bible, it says, to whom much is given, much is also required. And so everything I, I believe for me, the Bible is my navigation system throughout life. The Bible doesn't talk positive about debt, but then watch out. It doesn't say it's a sin to have debt. It just says, hey, the borrower is slave to the lender and I don't want to be a slave. And so for me, I'm going to avoid borrowing money. So that way I'm passing down generational wealth and passing down legacy. So my spiritual journey is very, very important. And inside the course, I walk through for those who are practicing the Christian faith and a Christian walk. Here's how I grew. Uh, spiritually. Here's what I do. Here's how, here's how I read. Um, here's how I journal. Here's how I pray. Um, and here's how I live that life out. But man, to be honest, you know, I have a lot of friends who are Muslims and we don't necessarily agree on the Jesus Christ philosophy. Great, man. But I, those Muslims, I love dearly and I listen to them. I have friends who are atheists, don't believe in a higher power. They just believe in, you know, we're just here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool, great. I respect that. But for me, I, man, my spiritual walk has tremendously impacted my life. And I think it's important that to really know God and know why he put you here, because I believe he put us all here for a purpose and for a reason. And if we can get that purpose and that reason, man, life would be easier, not easy, but easier. In the listing of the pillars that I saw, that was right there at the top. You were intentional about making that the first one. Absolutely. I mean, everything starts with the foundation of my Christianity walk. 
I, I don't believe that I would be where I am today without God when I've made mistakes. I believe God is the one who covered me in those mistakes when I should have been, you know, I was homeless, man. I contemplated suicide. I had a spiritual encounter during that time that prevented me from doing something stupid to my life. You know, I have a lot of testimonies that I share inside this course that I relate and and I give credit to God for walking me through it. And from even working, even have, I mean, I worked with Dave Ramsey for six years. That was God. I didn't deserve that, that, that opportunity to, to sit up underneath a great man of that caliber and to still be able to call him a friend and a brother to that's, that's God to be able to do what I'm doing today, traveling around the world, making the kind of money I'm making today to be on your podcast. I believe that's God, you know, I am working hard and, and I am performing. And so my philosophy is pray like it all depends on him, work like it all depends on me. And together, we're just going to get it done. We are talking with Anthony O'Neill about our single season. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then brings them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, quantum computing, and more, in state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our crowd is identifying innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest early. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies, and many of their members have benefited from the 46 IPOs or sale exits of their investments. Now you can truly diversify your portfolio by investing early in innovative private market companies at our crowd. Join the fastest growing venture capital investments community at ourcrowd.com slash EAI. That's O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash E-A-I. Another one of the pillars is life vision. Mm. Often the season of singleness happens when we're young, right? How much can a young person really know what their true life vision is? You know, that vision, I talk about this in the course too, that vision is going to change. You know, the vision, if you're 18 listening to this podcast and you're going into college, your vision right now may only be for the next four to five years. I want to get through college. I want to be this A student. I want to avoid this. And, you know, I want to graduate with this so I can become X, Y, Z. Cool. Great. That's your vision right now. 
as you grow, as you mature, as you evolve, so will your vision, so will your goals. And that's fine. You know, with me um, stepping out on my own here last year from Ramsey Solutions, my vision changed because my life changed. Cool. I had to go back to my drawing board, spend some time and literally write out my vision because your vision from the spiritual angle, Bible is our navigation system and not for life. Vision is telling you where, what's your navigation system for where you're going with your life. So if you want to be that doctor, if you want to be that lawyer, if you want to be this entrepreneur and impact thousands of people, well, you need to sit down and clearly write down exactly what's your vision. And there's three components to me when I think about the vision for my life. The vision for my life is I want to be the best husband I possibly can to my wife in the future. From there, I want to be the best father to the kids that God gives me to steward well. Then from there, I want to be influential and impactful to the minority and millennial culture period to help young people avoid debt and maximize their single season. That is a vision for my life. So anytime, let's say if I meet a young lady and she's like, yo, I don't want marriage. Cool. My vision tells her you're not for me. It's easy for me to say no, because you're not aligned with my vision. Uh, Let's say if I meet a young lady and she says, hey, I don't want any kids. Cool. Great. You're a great one, but you're not aligned with my vision. Let's say that I have a deal come through the table with a million dollar offer, right? It's like, hey, Anthony, we want to buy your show, but we want to flip your show to only talk about this, but it's not talking about financial freedom. It's not talking about maximizing your single season and you can't talk about God. Well, my vision will tell them, I'm sorry. The money is great. I'm crying because I'm missing out a million dollars, <laughs> but my vision is like to go here And so it makes it so much easier. So when you have a clear vision that will change over time, it helps you avoid a lot of mistakes and it helps you actually make the right mistakes that will bring you profit. One of the things I wrote down on my vision is is a daily habit is to make sure uh, that every single day that I'm making decisions that get me closer to my ultimate vision, my ultimate vision will happen because of my daily habits, because of what I'm simply doing every single day to get there. And those daily habits are helping me to avoid daily dramas, monthly dramas, a lot of drama. So vision is important. And if you got to change it every two, three years, every four years, cool, change. But you shouldn't be changing your vision every month, every three months, every every year. No. And I tell everyone, don't have five different visions for your life. Um, No, stick to that one vision and aim for it and you'll be successful. As I listen to you, what becomes crystal clear is that life vision really helps you maximize this season to be ready for the next season. And and that's a really cool concept, I think, which totally becomes clear as you learn about these pillars. A few other pillars, comfort, core health, and physical wellness. Tell me what's the difference between those three. All right. So cool. Comfort, core health, and your physical wellness. All right. So comfort is about what makes you comfortable. I'll be honest with you on your on, on your show, man, because you know this is my second time and I, and I love it. It was comfortable for me being in the all black culture. You know, I grew up in a black culture. I blew up in a black city, right? And my community loves me because they know I love them. I mean, I remember one time, Doc, my car was stolen from the front of my house. I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I, there was this particular restaurant that I went to every single week, at least two times a week. Every time I brought in celebrities to come do school tours with me or to go around the churches and sing, I always took them to this one particular restaurant. 
I knew all of the high school principals. I knew the superintendent and the board members of the school. I knew the mayor. I mean, I had basketball. I mean, not basketball. I had the football uh, teams, some of the celebrities on the football team in my back pocket. So I had to say, it's like one time my car got stolen and my wallet was inside the car and I had to dispute the money because they charged all the money off. Well, the community came around me and the, the community fed me. The community made sure I had a car. I mean, the community took real good care of me. So I was comfortable in that environment. Well, it goes back to the spiritual journey. God pretty much revealed to me that nothing extraordinary comes outside, comes within your comfort zone. You're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone and step into your uncomfort zone. And I believe that when we step inside of that uncomfort zone, we step into our faith zone. So I get an, I get an offer to go work with you know Dave Ramsey and his amazing team. That's coming from an all-Black culture to a 98%, 97% white culture. And let's take away color from it. One culture to just another culture, period. So it's, it's not about black or white. It's I'm leaving this culture and going to a completely different culture. And I was scared. I was nervous because I'm like, it's not like I'm going from all black to 50-50 black, white. I'm going from black to this totally different culture. But because of that, I'm on your podcast because of that. I, I've I've gotten into other rooms and in other environments that I would have never gotten into if it wasn't for one trust in God, two serving Dave during the season I was there. And so I believe that a lot of our dreams are killed by our comfort zone. And I tell everyone, don't allow your comfort zone to become your kill zone. And so for us to do that, we got to step outside of that. Some people listen to this podcast know that, that they need to start their business, but they don't want to leave their job because it's comfortable for them. They get that check every single week and they are uncomfortable knowing I may not get this check every week. Watch this though. Let me flip it on you. There's some people who have a business who know they need to let it go because they're not paying any bills and they need to go get a job. And that could be uncomfortable. You know, there's a young person here saying, you know what? There are some friends I need to cut off. But I'm scared to cut them off because I, I, I don't know what it feels like to be alone. There's someone listening to this saying I'm in a relationship that is uncomfortable. But I mean, that is comfortable, but they know they need to leave it. But they don't want to be uncomfortable by saying I got to go. And so that's what comfort is. And it's different from core, core health. The core, we just go down to who are you? And once you know who you are at your core, it's easier to make the uncomfortable decisions because the core is, who are you? Why are you making the decisions that you're making? Why are you um, crying and resolving things the way you're resolving things? Why are you crying? It goes down to, it, it starts with therapy, but it's really not therapy. It's who are we? Like, I'm a proud Black man. I could say that talking to a cool white guy named Doc, you know, because like I know who I am at my core. I love all people, but I'm proud to be who I am. And I'm not ashamed of that. And you have some people who are kind of shy to talk about things and say, this is who I am. You know, I, that's, that. no. And so in this course, I really teach people how to really strengthen their core. I remember Doc at the, at the gym, I was squatting. And when I was squatting, I was like, okay, cool. Use your legs. Okay, use your legs. And you should feel all the pain in your legs. And so I was squatting this one time and I was putting all this weight on there and I was just throwing it up because I was using my legs and using my back. And then I woke up two days later. I couldn't walk. 
eye, my lower back was hurting, <laughs> my legs was stiff. We, we've all been there. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm like, what? In, I mean, what in the world? Why is my lower back hurting? It was leg day. So I go back into the gym and I told my, my trainer, I said, yo, man, I'm hurting. My lower back is killing me. I get my legs. And he said, it's because you're not using your core. I said, my core? He said, yeah, you got to squeeze that stomach every time you go to push up. Anytime you lift anything, if you do backs, squeeze your core. If you do squats, squeeze your core. If you do chest press, squeeze your core. I'm like, why? Like, squeeze my core and legs? I thought that's my butt (laughs) and my legs. He was like, no, no, no. The core is your foundation of who you are. And it prevents you from pulling things or from hurting things because you're using the wrong things to push this heavy weight. And if we know who we are at our core, we'll use the right thing to make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we use the wrong emotions and it causes the wrong decisions. And so I really break that down. It goes down to the physical is I just simply believe that the healthier are, the healthier we are, the wealthier we will be. And if we take care of our physical bodies, if we take care of our temple, we'll live longer, we'll walk better, and we'll even think and prosper better, in my personal opinion. I'm not saying that someone of a particular weight is uh, unhealthy or they will not be wealthy, but I do believe when we believe we look good, when we believe we are healthy, we operate better. And so I just share my story of how I weighed 100 pounds. And I had a young lady inspire me to like to go hit the gym because she's like, hey, you're, you're too skinny. I mean, you I don't I don't like it. And it took that to really get me into the gym. And now I feel better when I'm on stages because I'm in shape, because I, I'm eating healthy. I walk better. I talk better. And I believe that it happened because, you know, my physical health. It just goes to show you how interrelated these things are. When you're talking about your core, which really you're talking about identity, mm-hmm. you end up using a metaphor about working out and just yeah. the connection between kind of physical wellness and emotional wellness is just so clear. Let's talk about network. You've ever heard the saying, you know, show me a person's friends and I'll tell yep. you who they are. Tell me yep. about that importance of network. So my philosophy when it comes to network is 333334. 33, 33, 34. This is not something that I came up with. I added the extra one towards the end, right? 33% of your friends seem to be people who are smarter than you, wiser than you in certain fields that you're not good in. You know, I have a couple that I look up to who are married and been married almost my age. I'm 37. They've been married for about 33, 34 years, right? And they're giving me wisdom. I'm like, hey, during your single season, here are some things you need to be working on as a man for your future spouse. When it comes to my money, I'm a huge Dave Ramsey advocate. I believe in having no debt. I believe in building my wealth without racking up any debt. So I allow him to speak into my life and I listen to him in that area. Then I have another mentor out there who is who I listen to from a spiritual perspective. So 33% of my network is in my relationships are, you know, depositing into me. Then the other 33% of those people are, is who am I doing life with? Who am I dating? Who are my friends? Who, who am I always around on a regular basis? And you're right. If you open up my phone and look at my five most called people, you will see that all of us may not do the exact same thing, but you can tell that all of us have a similar vision. And that similar vision is 
We want to build wealthy. We want to maximize our single season. We we want to be the best individual we can be today. We don't want to wait till tomorrow. We don't want to just use our youthfulness and just blow it all away and then get to our season of marriage and season of maturity. And then now we, we've wasted a huge portion of our life. So all of us are dreaming like, hey, what can we invest in? How can we maximize this season? You know, how can I help you? Hey, yo, how can you help me? It's, it's we're using, utilizing that. And then the last one is I give it a little bit more. I give it 34% because uh, the Bible says it's best to give than it is to receive. Who can I sow into? Who can I help? Who can I inspire? Who can I answer their important questions? Who can I see and say, you know what? I was going down that same route. I did the very same thing. Here's how it ended. You want to avoid that, you know? And I'll just be honest. As a single man, I've hurt a lot of ladies' feelings. And it's because I was trying to impress my boys because I was trying to have this particular belt around me saying, hey, I'm the man. And because of that, I've made some decisions that I, I really do wish God would give me the opportunity to go back and apologize to her and not and fix it. But I got to own that. And so when I see younger men specifically today, and just to be honest, younger African-American minority men, I just really, I just see them and say, hey, listen, don't do it. You know, and, and I'll say it on your show, it's like this generation is coming up I wish somebody would have told me that one of the reasons why I was so scared to come to the white world, because the generation before me told me most white people don't like you. They don't love you. <laughs> um, and my generation now has this, uh, he's white, she's white. Now I'm flipping that. Hey man, not all white people do love you. Not all white people are horrible people. You know, not all <laughs> black people are, are good people. Let me be honest with you. I mean, we, not everyone is going to be good or right, right or bad. You have to try the spirit by the spirit. And so I'm, I'm depositing into them and growing them up. Right. And saying, Hey, listen, you got to make decisions for yourself. Don't allow culture to tell you who's racist, who's wrong, who's a good fit, who's right. No, you got to make that decision for yourself because that's the decision that you've made. Here's how you avoid that. Hey, listen, you need white people within your circle because they can open up some great doors for you and you can open up some great doors for them. And so I'm just really just sewing into them and really trying to help them out. So we are talking about the eight pillar blueprint, which is part of your course on maximizing your season of singleness, maximizing that season. Does it make dating harder? I'm thinking about a recent interview you did on the table with my friends, Kirsten and Julian Saunders, and they talk about their dating story. And Julian and Kirsten have been very open about this. Julian at one point said, hey, if I knew, Kirsten, that you were so much in date, maybe we would have never dated. On the other hand, I look at them as a couple who's really doing it right, who's working together and who's had a very successful outcome can it make it harder to meet people if you kind of get yourself in order the way we're talking about with, with this season of singleness? I think if you really maximize a single season, it will make it harder for the wrong people, but it'll make it easier for the right people. Because if you have two single people maximizing their single season, then they're both going to value the same thing. And it makes it easier for them to connect. But if one person is maximizing their single season and the other person is just saying, you know what? I I'm just chilling, having a good time. Yeah, it's going to make it harder because this person will say, hey, we're just not, we're not, we're not aligned. And this person is going to be trying to get there, but it's going to be hard to get there because one is aligned, one is not. But if I meet a young lady and she's like, yo, I'm focused on my career. I'm focused on my relationship with God. I'm really trying to get to know myself better and I'm really trying to set myself up to be the right, right, the right, the correct 
wife for my future husband and, and I'm working on myself now, that's going to turn me on, doc. I'm like, yo, girl, what's your name? What's your number? Girl, where you been all my life? You, you know? And so it, it will honestly make it easier because now we are aligned for the most part. But of course, we need to get to know each other and see if we're aligned in deeper areas. But I, I think it'll be, it'll be good for the people who are maximizing their single season. It will be hard for the people who are not. Well, Anthony, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show you point out what I think is is such an important truism that we have multiple seasons in our lives. And if we want to do a good job on each season, we have to prepare. Yes. And so for each season, we have to build on our skills, our knowledge, and our understanding of ourselves. Many people skip over that season of singleness. They're always looking towards the future and they're not building a solid foundation now I'm sure after hearing you on this episode, there are many people out there who want to know more about that season of singleness. Tell us, when is this course coming out? How can people sign up? Where should they go? Go to anthonyneal.com, anthonyneal.com. You'll see the course information there. The course will be available towards the end of February, the beginning of March. It's only going to be open for about a week, week and a half. So, so I'm doing some great things. I'm going to be actually mentoring and bringing in some of my mentors to everyone who signs up. We're going to have eight weeks of personal one-on-one with me on top of the course information that's going to be inside of there. But I'm bringing in some experts. I have some friends like Tony Gaskins Jr., Jamal and Natasha Miller, you know, Rich and Regular are going to come on air. And so we really are doing some great things that's really going to help people maximize this single season. So that way we can really be good. Watch this. It's not going to be about money because I can teach you how to be wealthy. But if I don't teach you how to maximize the season first before I teach you about money, that's where a lot of people fail. Most millionaires understand that before they can make millions, they need to read a million pages. Most millionaires understand before they can, you know, build all this amazing wealth, it starts with the mind. And we're really, we're really going to dive into how do we do that? I just want to make sure we're clear on those dates here. The wait list for the course opens up on January 30th, which is three days from today. And then the actual cart to sign up will be open March 1st through 10th. Anthony, where's the best place to sign up? If you go to anthonyneal.com right now, uh, you'll be able to sign up uh, for the waiting list and you'll be able to get in. It's going to be amazing, man. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. And by having myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Anthony O'Neill. That's a wrap. Hey, everybody. As you know, I'm continuing on my journey to publish my book, Taking Stock. I just got the deeper edits back and I've gone through them and we are getting ready to go. Now, that doesn't mean it's coming out anytime soon. There is still a long process of laying out the format, getting all the images and the graphs correctly, and eventually going to press. But in the meantime, I've been thinking a lot about how am I going to market this book? How am I going to market my brand? I've started setting up a series of discussions with people out there I know, content creators, people who have had successful book launches in the past. And I had one recently with Christy and Bryce from Millennial Revolution. We were talking about this idea of brand. 
And one thing that happened to me when I went through the process of getting a publisher and submitting my manuscript is it really makes you subconscious about your platform. Going through this process, the one thing that felt very clear to me is that I do not have a huge platform. Sure, I have the Earn and Invest podcast, and I have a certain number of listeners and followers here, but I'm not a superstar. I'm not someone who's known nationally. I'm not someone who has this huge platform which is going to sell thousands and thousands of books. I talked to Bryce and Christy about this, and I'm going to play you an excerpt of our conversation about Goodwill and what they think about platform. Take a listen. The publishing industry has this great way of fucking with your self-confidence. Oh my God. <laughs> it's basically a giant self-confidence destroying machine. Uh-huh. And, um, and so everything you're feeling right now is what every writer who's gone through this process feels yep. like. Yep. My platform's not big enough. I'm not Brad Pitt. How am I mm-hmm. going to sell this book? Yeah. yeah. The thing is, what we actually found is your reach is your platform plus the number of people's platforms who are willing to help you. Well, and that's where, I mean, I've got a lot, thankfully, um, hopefully because I'm a good person who's pushed other people forward as best as I could. I have a lot of, through podcasting especially, I just have a lot of people who feel good about me and their interactions with me and my interactions with them. And that's Because you're not one of those people that got to where you are by elbowing people in the face and where they Mm -hmm. are. You did it by being a good person and you built up a lot of goodwill. Like if you, like if, like if you wanted us to, we would interview you on our blog, and they would they go absolutely right. Like like because it's like because it's because it's you. We love yeah. you. You can find Christy and Bryce at millennial-revolution.com. Their book, Quit Like a Millionaire, is amazing, and I highly suggest you check it out. You can find it on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. I really like their theories on goodwill, and. I decided to put this clip in also because I'm about to play for you the after show, what I talked with Anthony O'Neill about after we were done with the interview, as well as I'm going to put a section in from the pre-show, what we talked about before the interview. And I want you to listen to these conversations with the idea of goodwill at the back of your mind. I don't want you to ever feel like the things I do, the people I talk to, or when I'm in a room with content creators, that I do things gratuitously. I'm a pretty intentional and authentic person, I believe, most of the time. But I think when you are there for other people, when you try to help them in whatever they are doing, whatever they are trying to accomplish... You also are lucky enough to occasionally ask people to help you. And maybe that's the message. If you create goodwill in the world, goodwill will come back to you. And that is the Earn and Invest podcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy the after show. Dude, that was so dope. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. man. I love talking to you. You always bring your A game, at least both times I've interviewed you and I've heard of a bunch of other interviews. I know that you have another interview coming up. Um, Let me leave a kernel in your mind. I am writing a book. I'm a hospice doctor, actually, in real life. Okay. And I am writing a book about um, what dealing with death and dying has taught me about money and happiness. And it's going to come out at Ulysses Press in August of 2022. 
Okay. Um, so if you ever have a space on the table, I'd love to come and talk to you about it. I'll send you a copy of when I have a PDF, which should be, it's going through final edits right now. Hopefully I have a PDF by the end of January. Yeah. I'll send you a copy. But if you ever have, want to have one of those kind of deeper conversations about what the dying can teach us about money and life. Yeah. Um, I'd love no, that, to come that'd on. Be, that'd be a great show. Um, I'm serious about it. And that's in August. It's coming out in August. In August. So my, my order of importance is, you know, if it... I'd I'd be on the show at any time if you have availability, but certainly yeah. if you're like totally digging the conversation and have availability, I'd say closer to, you know, at least June, July, that kind of time period. But that's less important to me than if you have an interest in having the conversation, have a slot anywhere, I would take it. Yeah. No, let's do it. Um, let's do it because July, I take off for my birthday. So I would probably say, let's schedule to do tell Heidi and I'll tell you that too. Let's get you in in July and drop it in August. Yeah, that'll so work. That way is good because we always shoot one month in advance. So what I'm shooting in June will be for August because I take off the entire month of July. Okay. I'll, I'll, all right, Heidi. What I can promise you is it'll be a conversation different probably than any other conversation you'll have just because my yeah. juxtaposition of doing personal finance as well as hospice work is just kind of an interesting mix. Yo, let's do it. That's going to be fun. I love different shows. Yeah, cool, man. Have fun Hi, on man. your next interview. Yes, sir. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Thanks for doing this. Uh-huh. Bye. What's going on, brother? Yo, how are you? Man, I'm doing good about yourself, bro. I'm doing great. Uh, camp. There you go. Now yeah, I can yeah. see you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man. So how you been? Man, I've been good about yourself. I've been doing really well. I was watching a few episodes of The Table, and uh, I like your flow, man. It's a lot of fun to watch. Oh, man. I appreciate it, bro. I'm I hear just trying to work, trying to trying to do a little something, something with the uh, with the new route that I'm going, man, you know, stepping out of my own and doing my thing. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I um, I'm friends with Julian and Kirsten, so I especially liked watching them. Aren't they great on camera? They're like just man. fantastic. <laughs> but listen, man, they killed it, man. They, they got my DMs going crazy right now. Like, oh, they proved you about the whole $50 date stuff. And I'm like, uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all as well. All yeah. Yeah. They're good. T- good TV. Good radio. I, oh, I yeah. can't wait to see what they kind of continue to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Likewise, man. And I'm a huge fan of theirs. I met them at FinCon. And um, yeah, I was going to go to that one. And I didn't at the last minute because of COVID. And I have some high school age teenagers and I just didn't want to put them at risk because then they'd miss school. But uh, I valid. definitely was feeling it that I didn't go. No, that's valid, man. I, I, I Trust me. I get it, man. I. I'm still still some things that I'm still not doing because of COVID, you know, but that one was a month after I had uh, resigned and stepped out on my own. So I said, hey, let me get out here and make yeah. these. A, a real important time to be seen to be out amongst yes. creators, yep. especially. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 So it's good, man. But I appreciate it, man. How's your podcast going? Things are going well. You know, this is what I love to do. So it's a lot of yeah. fun for me. I like asking people questions. I like interviewing people. So it's it's uh, yeah. it's a good time. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.